You're listening to the Speaking Tongues podcast. I'm your host, El Sharice. Each week, I sit down to a conversation with multilinguals where we discuss and celebrate language, life, and culture through our own perspectives. Episode 104, Speaking Brazilian Portuguese. Hello, language lovers. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Speaking Tongues, the podcast in conversation with multilinguals. This week, we're talking with Emily from Tea with Emily about her journey to learning Brazilian Portuguese and about her tips for learning a language your way. In this episode, Emily tells us about her experience learning languages, including French, Spanish, and Korean as a native British English speaker. She takes us back to the beginning of the pandemic when she started learning Portuguese with a challenge she named the Loneliness Project. We talk about the way she's been able to use language exchange apps to her advantage and how she shares the do's and don'ts that work for her when finding a language partner. Emily is also a published author, and she's talking to us about her book series, How to Be Me, Life Stories, which is available now on Amazon in English and French, Spanish, German, and Brazilian Portuguese. Link to buy is listed in the show notes of this episode. Big thank you to Emily for sharing your language learning process with all of us. If you enjoy episodes of Speaking Tongues, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the Speaking Tongues podcast on Apple Podcasts, and like and subscribe on YouTube so that other language lovers like ourselves can find the show. Special shout out to Speaking Tongues recent supporters and patrons, Linia H and Pat N. If you've been a longtime listener of the show or even a recent listener, you can now pledge ongoing support for the show on buymeacoffee.com or on patreon.com. And as you know, I wrote a book. My Food Zine of International Language and Cuisine, Taste Buds Volume 1, is available now for purchase. Check social media for the sneak peek inside the book and make sure you purchase one for yourself and one for your friends. Links to all platforms are in the show notes. Okay, let's chat. Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Tongues. I'm here today with Emily. How are you today, Emily? I am doing so well, thank you really happy to be here. I'm so happy that we finally finally have a chance to record um, our conversations because we're talking all the time so now you know everyone else gets to (laughs) be a part part of what we talk about. Um, I like to start each episode with the same question and that is what is your first language and which languages have you learned to speak? So my first language is British English um, and I studied French from the age of 11 at school and Spanish, I was self-teaching from 14, Korean self-teaching from 15. Um, And then I worked as a French and Spanish teacher for a few years and picked up Mandarin and most recently Brazilian Portuguese. How exciting. (laughs) What? Do you think that it was that um, led you to being interested in so many languages, especially from a young age and especially being in the UK? Yeah, so I think there were a few things going on. The first was just that I loved the logic of language learning and understanding the patterns and 
I just, I found it suited me, but way more than that, I discovered really quickly how, for me, it was just such a healing experience. Um, so I was a very, very unhappy child and teenager. And what language learning did for me, I moved house last week and coming into a new house, you've got no memories, you've got no um, like associations, every room is completely blank and you've just, you've got all this potential and all of this stuff that you can make your own. But at the moment, like none of, none of the old houses matter if you see what I mean right and that's what languages were for me right from the start they offered me this like fresh start where no words were loaded no words were linked to memories or linked to I think it's really easy to pick up heaviness in words and not just from the big traumas or the insults or the arguments and, and things like that which obviously definitely weigh on words that keep coming back but also just the sorts of limiting beliefs that other people might push on you entirely unintentionally because that's what their reality is and learning a new language whatever language that was just gave me this complete freedom to start again, to figure myself out away from all of that white noise from, you know, history and other interactions and stuff. Um, and I found that to be a really like uplifting thing to do. So as well as the sort of mental challenge that meant that I wasn't ruminating over other stuff, um, <laughs> there was also this like, I had all these new words to play with and to express myself with. And it created this playground where nobody expected me to say the right thing or do the right thing. Cause you know, I was a learner and I had all of these allowances made for me. Um, but it also gave me this opportunity to just be. And I love that. I think that is why I love language learning to yeah. be honest. Yeah. I think that is, something that you said really gives me a lot to think about and just how it's you have this blank space and you're able to kind of rebuild your own world in you know it, using words that don't carry weight and it's like I'm so happy that you said that I think you know I have these kind of conversations all the time and every now and again someone says something that just completely like <laughs> knocks me over the head to 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 what you said um do you feel like in each of the languages that you've had a chance to explore that there's a different version of Emily using words, using these languages okay yeah and I think it's a sort of well discussed concept that people feel a little bit different when they speak different languages you know there's a slight personality change or they're a little bit more I don't know forceful or extroverted or introverted you know something is slightly different from their native speaker self mm -hmm. and 
I definitely find that fascinating. And I, it's not that I've completely lost a sense of self or that it's a rejection of native speaker self, but it is lovely that native speaker self can be watching all of these little baby French speaking Emily or Spanish speaking Emily or whatever, you know, toddling about in the, in the language playground and just becoming a little bit more of something that that culture inherently has to offer in terms of a little personality tweak I quite like it yeah and I yeah I feel like as someone who's pretty introverted um I feel like for me that I mean, I'm not at that fluency level with my languages as you are with yours, but I I feel like when I do make that attempt, like I'm not as, I don't want to say introverted, but I'm not as like shy. I'm not as second guessing or or like scared when I'm speaking other languages, but as I am with English. And there's that, like you said, like the words that have the weight and there's that over analytical side of me that's like, you know, trying to choose the words properly in English Mm -hmm. and then if I'm trying it in Italian I'm just like just just you know it's it's yeah mash them together and hope (laughs) you get the meaning across I get it exactly a hundred percent um which language are you the funniest in so I think at the moment it will be Portuguese because that's the one I speak the most Mm -hmm. um so when I decided I was going to learn Portuguese and I know we're coming to this later um I decided at that moment that Spanish speaker Emily was going to have to take a break for a bit because I did not want to be dealing with an interaction um partly from a linguistic point of view and the frustration of like starting a sentence in one language and finishing in the other but also because I need her to have the space to grow I don't want to be like I I don't want twins you know they're they're supposed to be separate and they are um so I spend a lot of my time speaking with people in Portuguese and so friendships have developed in Portuguese. And that's the space where I can be the funniest, I think. Oh, because actually wow. French speaker Emily had a job to do and it was a responsible job. And therefore, you know, there was a lot of like healthcare. And I was working in a, a school for disabled adults. So it was quite a medicalized environment with a lot of like boundary setting. And it was a very it was a very serious environment and therefore French speaker Emily went from doing a degree in the language to doing a responsible job in the language so she didn't really have space for you know comedic aspects of the language to <laughs> the expressions come out. yeah 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 whereas Portuguese Emily sits and chats with people a lot and so we can talk about everything right including the funnier sides of life so this brings me to what I want to ask you about um, what made you decide to learn Brazilian Portuguese um, and why you chose Brazil over Portugal but as you're talking and and if Portuguese is the language that you you are the funniest in I do think it's interesting because that's not the that's not the language you studied in school that's Mm -hmm. not the language that you had a like a rigid academic you know, time with. So I think maybe you've had that opportunity to play around in a completely different way and, and be funny. Like they don't teach Mm -hmm. you to be funny in school, you know? Yeah. 
It is not a coincidence, I don't think. Um, so with French, I went from school, French to university, and my degree was very, very heavily based on literature. So it was 18th, 19th century and earlier. So, you know, even never mind just conversation, we had so much vocabulary about types of velvet and we had to learn milli pages of mushrooms, bird species, flower species for literary translation. And so when I actually went to France on my year abroad to work in the, in the job I mentioned, I didn't even really have the vocabulary for a computer problem or, you know, just when I spoke, it was so dated and I was using grammar constructions that, you know, nobody has used for God knows how long. Yeah. Whereas with Portuguese, I started uh, learning in, in March of 2020 at the very beginning of the pandemic. Um, and actually it started as a project that, it started as a project that I called the loneliness project at the time when Italy and Spain had gone into lockdown. And at that point, England hadn't, uh, but it was coming. And I think we all felt it was coming. And so I went back onto language exchange apps after some time away. Um, I just lost my job. I just, I quit my job in the January because it was completely untenable to stay. I got to the third stage of interview in two other jobs that looked really good. Uh, I'd done the exams, I'd done the two interviews, and then they both halted recruitment because of the impending lockdown. And so they didn't say no, but there was, we, I mean, I think we both knew early on that it was not going to happen. Right. So I put my energy immediately into basically keeping university students company who were being isolated in mm. university accommodation and didn't know what was going on. And from there, I remembered, and I don't know why it wasn't an immediate thought, because it should have been, but the job that I'd quit was the one thing that made it possible to stay was that we were allowed to listen to the radio online um, while we worked. And so every day I listened to a different radio station on a world radio website. And I listened, you know, not just languages I spoke, but from any country I could think of. And it was wonderful. And I listened to a different one every day just to hear the music and hear the language. And one day I found a Brazilian radio station just by chance. And I thought this is the happiest sounding language oh. I have ever heard. Mm -hmm. And just, I think a mix of being in such a dark time in a workplace that was so dysfunctional to hearing this noise in my ears that made me so joyful. <laughs> I was like, if I've got this time that I didn't expect to have, um, and I don't think the chances of being hired in the first you know, few weeks of, of lockdown were great. I thought this would be a really good constructive use of my time. So I just immediately set about learning Brazilian Portuguese. And it turned out to be a great choice as well, because it was so easy to find people to practice with. And so many Brazilians that I met were really, really keen to learn English. So it made language exchanges super easy. Mm. Um, 
yeah it turned out to be literally the defining thread through my pandemic (laughs) it's been wonderful I don't think I told you this but um we met in 2020 in Mm -hmm. like the summer spring summer of 2020 and I you know you, you talked about learning uh Portuguese Brazilian Portuguese and going through you know language exchanges and you were doing countless exchanges every day and you were like so organized with it and you know we spoke every I'm I'm telling I mean I don't have to tell you this because you were there but I'm really telling the listener um you know we spoke about every week for a single week Yeah. yeah and by the end of the year I remember I must have watched you do a live on Instagram or something in Portuguese and I said to myself wow like this is the difference that a year can make because a year for a year before then in 2019 I promise Emily did not know Portuguese like this and now she's having a conversation and you are the person who made me pick up French again and say this is what a year can do because I said to myself it was about like December because I started on December 13th of 2020 and I said you know, I'm going to look at myself December 13th of 2021 and see what I can do. And if Emily can do it, maybe I can't get that far, but I can probably get far enough. And I did. And I don't think I ever told you that, but I'm telling you now for everyone to hear that I think that you've inspired me so much um, on my own language journey. And I thank you for that because oh. if not for you, I would still be comment allez-vous and <laughs> in a slightly worse, worse accent than that. Um, but I would love to know, you know, as you did, as you did start Portuguese and you were on the, the loneliness project and, and this was your, this was your, your pandemic baby. Um, (laughs) what did you do? How did you do it? What were your methods? I know you talked about language exchange and, and I mentioned a little bit about how, you know, you're, you were so organized, but tell us how you were able to, to make such progress. Okay. Um, so I don't think I had a method. First of all, it didn't feel like I was subscribing to sort of a a roadmap that was already there that I would need to stick to and do goals. And I didn't do any of those things. Um, But I did want to talk as soon as possible. Mm. So I used language exchange apps and I also started an Instagram so that it would just bring other language learners to me so that I could just create a community really of Brazilians learning English and Um, you know English speakers that were learning Brazilian Portuguese and there was a huge mismatch I'm sure you can imagine you know there were so many Brazilians looking for English um, like language exchange partners and there are not anywhere near the the number of English speakers learning Portuguese Um, so I started as quick I started speaking as quickly as possible so I would do language exchanges with other beginners, Brazilian beginners um, in English. And literally we would do these language exchanges on video calls on a mobile phone so that we could just walk around the house 
and look at things and say what they were called. And, you know, we were not trying to sit in front of a screen statically and have a conversation, but it was a case of just sort of being with other people, first of all, because I need that connection with people to make it feel like it is a language learning experience rather than a logic project um, to build that friendship because you can have one even with whatever zero language we had. So it was just walking around the house and drawing things to each other and um, little tiny things. We weren't even speaking in sentences, mm. just just objects and the odd you know sentences here and there. And one of the first things I looked up long before I was worrying about like animals or fruits or any of that sort of stuff was praise words. Mm. Um, so that as soon as people repeated things, I had something to say that was, you know, in Portuguese and encouraging. And that was, I think, the first good few weeks of language exchange. And then from there, I found all sorts of I, I because I've been a teacher of languages before and I used all of the sort of old syllabus type um, to find all these topics and questions. And with my language exchange partners, we would agree a topic um, we would prepare during the day. Sometimes there was there were a few people I spoke with every day and there were a few people I spoke with once a week. And we would agree a topic and we'd go away and we'd, you know, brainstorm individual words or sentences, depending on what level we were at at the time. Um, we would find or think of some questions that we could ask each other. So it was a conversation and it was still spontaneous. It wasn't reading off a sheet that we'd pre-prepared, but we'd got a bit of scaffolding in, the, in there so that it, we had something to cling on to, you know. <laughs> Um, by this point, I was probably still speaking very much with a Spanish accent as well, but, you know, it it was fine. Um, mm. I was understood and I could understand the other person. And I figured we were both getting something out of it, so it was OK. <laughs> yeah. I think that is probably the main crux of my language learning I learned grammar points when I had something I wanted to say and I knew a grammar point would help me to say it um, and I learned vocab on the basis of what I was going to be talking with my language exchange partner about that night mm. so you had a lot of room to prepare and I like that that you had first of all I like that you had partners who were willing to do that work with you because it's hard to find people who are at that matched in your diligence level. Yes. Um, it didn't always come easy, <laughs> um, but I found a few things. And one of them was that I often found people by working backwards through the reviews that people had left. So it wasn't just a sort of scattergun approach of messaging you know, dozens and dozens of people and waiting to see who would reply. Mm. But I had a really detailed profile. I was using Tandem, the app. So it allows you to write quite a detailed profile. And there was, I don't want to call it a vetting process because it sounds so sort of almost judgmental, but 
If people contacted me, I wanted to know that they'd read my profile, that they were responding to my profile. So I'd left all sorts of questions in my profile that we could use as a conversation starter. Um, I often contacted people myself by looking at the reviews people had left. And you can kind of tell sometimes from the reviews um, what people are focusing on. So if anybody said, you know, that they were trying to pass an exam and they wanted to use mostly writing or text messages or that was an immediate no, because I knew that my focus was people that were really interested mm. in becoming fluent and speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found Instagram was a really good, almost better substitute for apps because I think a lot of people join the apps like they join the gym in January thinking that magically being on them is going to make them fluent and then they very quickly become quite frightened at the prospect of speaking um, and they sort of let it slide mm. whereas on Instagram where people were doing all of their study grams and they were it was all about accountability and finding that language learning community those people were a lot more likely to show up every week for mm. you know months or years on end yeah you do want reviews you don't want 800 reviews because those are the ones that tell you that they're probably up for one conversation and then they're going to go and find someone else so that they can collect more reviews um the best people generally have 10 20 reviews you know that they are probably you know the it's not a a metric that you can 100% trust but I do know that massively high numbers of reviews are a red flag if what you're looking for is a steady language partner for a very long time are those your um your biggest do's and don'ts when it comes to language exchange um or what are some of your others so I love language exchange because it gave me a safe place. I had met lots of people that I felt comfortable with. And I also trusted myself that if I didn't feel comfortable in whatever capacity, I could fix it or I could leave. First of all, I think if if language exchange is making you uncomfortable, then you don't need to be doing it. It works for me but I know that there'll be a lot of people for whom there are infinitely better options based on their personality and their sort of aims within their language learning. My biggest do's for language learning, I think, are know what you're trying to get out of it. Um, Because if you are trying to, I don't know, fit in in a country, you're moving to that country and you need enough of a language a grasp of the language to to cope you want to be looking probably for a different language partner than if you are a student trying to pass a certain exam or if you're just doing it for pleasure and you want to have a nice chat with lots of people and then when you know what you want and you found your people communicate that I don't know how many language exchanges I have watched fail because nobody knows what they want and they don't tell the other person. And there's this hope that they're going to do mind reading and then they don't do mind reading and we get frustrated. Um, So when I'm talking about communicating what you want, I mean things like, first of all, 
your country or your culture's approach to lateness is a really good start. If you say that we're talking at 7 p.m., does that mean 7 p.m. on the dot or does that mean 20 past seven? And by the way, can you wait while I put the kettle on? Like there is a <laughs> all that is one of the tiny little things that can cause this friction on the wheel right. in language exchange. And that also extends to do you want to be corrected? If you do, do you want to be corrected on everything? Do you want to be corrected on one thing per conversation or like one repetitive error in the moment or right at the end? Um, Or things like, do you want to pre-agree a topic like I did? Or do you want to just go with the flow and have a chat? In which case, how are you going to stop it getting super repetitive as you ask, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing okay. Thank Mm -hmm. you. And then... Do you trust that you know where it's going to go after that? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, things like that. Or if a person, for example, interrupts a lot or doesn't seem to let you have half of the time for your own language, having the confidence to address that before you decide it's a waste of time or that you just need to resign yourself to speaking the language they want to learn the whole time, that is the biggest thing I think that makes language exchanges fail or just causes frustration or resentment Mm -hmm. it makes sense it makes sense to you know people are you're already dealing with the nervousness or Mm -hmm. the the apprehension of of talking with a, a quote native speaker and it's hard enough for people to state their intentions in their in their own language in their fluent language and then to Mm -hmm. have to do it in a language that's not yours is just like why do the rules go out the window like why don't people realize that those same things you would apply to a friendship to a relationship to a a a colleague and just expressing what you need and what you don't and what's acceptable and what's not when it comes to language exchange it's like the wild west so Mm -hmm. I I like that's the kind that you can google translate and put on your profile if you don't want to go through the negotiations every time or you think well I don't have the language skills for it that is the time when if you need an online translator it's much better that than trying to to navigate it without those sorts of things in place yeah I do like how organized you are with it because I don't think that a lot of people have the capacity to think like this is something to get organized about just as anything else and it will lead to greater success um and it won't waste somebody else's time um yeah I hate wasting other people's time and then having my time wasted because I did not you know even have a a little little bit of boundary or or planning or organization as you mentioned and I even you know I did ask you for advice and you gave me such helpful advice and 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 it it worked for me listen to Emily everybody um (laughs) but um you know I didn't even think to to do that I just figured oh it'll work itself out I'll I'll go through the motions and I'll find what I'm looking for, but I I wasn't putting in any work because I didn't know how. So I think that, you know, even, even what telling people what works for you, it gives people an opportunity to say, well, I can try this and I can tweak it and I can make it a little bit more of what works for me and a little bit of my own. So, so what tips do you have for someone who may be looking for a unique approach, a different approach to language learning, something 
away from the textbook and the classrooms? I I think maybe the idea is not to look for an approach or a method. I think the thing is more like I knew what I wanted and I knew that my end goal was just to be able to speak to people about a whole range of topics, but it didn't feel like a method and it didn't feel like goal setting in the way that I could like beat myself up about not achieving things because it was more like a kind of itinerary for a holiday. You know, it was about what should we explore today? What would we like to explore this week? What feels like I want to go further into it and what should I just do the bare minimum on and move on? Um, And so I think people that want to find a unique way probably don't have to work especially hard to do it because they know what they care about and they know what makes them really happy and excited and the stuff that they naturally want to read about all day. I would say the answer is to focus on the stuff that you procrastinate with. If you spend all your time watching dog videos on TikTok, then maybe you should start with some, you know, the dog vocabulary and the dog training and watch your videos of cute dogs doing cute things and listen to the commands that the owners give them and and that kind of stuff. There is obviously no blueprint that's going to work for everybody, but the biggest thing that kicks people out of the language game is the belief they can't do it and the belief that it's going to be this almost lifelong sacrificing of fun, socializing, Mm -hmm. all of the things they like, and instead they're going to be stuck doing grammar and hating everything. (laughs) Um, And I think... That is actually the approach is let's do everything we can to make this fun, interesting and indulge all the things I really like Um, and not worry about every single word in a word list or, you know. I think quite often with languages in the way we start with textbooks, we the one of the first things we'll do is fruits and animals. Actually, if your main goal is to speak conversationally, the animals and the fruits come up way less than a whole load of other topics that actually textbooks might not even cover. Mm -hmm. If you're meeting people on Instagram, start with the Instagram vocabulary or, you know, that kind of thing to get actual speaking in as at the forefront of what you're doing. So yeah, I don't think it's a case of looking for a unique method. It's a case of what do I want to explore what do I care about and what do I do anyway? And how can I bring language into that so that I'm not sacrificing everything I am and everything I do just so that I can maybe learn this language in the future where if I suffer enough? Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's great. And like you said, it's it's a way of, you know, expressing yourself and bringing your own identity in it. I don't think we think about that enough because like you said, you know, we don't, we shouldn't feel like we have to suffer and sacrifice and learn stuff that's not going to serve us just because that's the way it's always been done. And you really have to, I think you really have to be someone who, and you seem like you are to me, like someone who's very intent on knowing what is for them and what is not for them. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you just, you know, you go down the rabbit hole of doing, doing things the way that everyone's always done it and the way that other people have done it. And, and you have to be authentic all the time. Yeah. 
And I think if you're leading by your own curiosities, whatever that might be true, I, I, I did a live yesterday with someone who actually found their language identity through true crime podcasts. <laughs> That's what she listened to anyway. And as soon as she switched from, you know, the, the sort of I need to do things in order and I need to do it right and I need to follow this sort of, I, I don't know, almost imaginary tick list and she focused on her true crime and she bonded through, you know, dog walking and all of these things that she was naturally doing. And it took all that pressure off the you're not constantly self-checking to see if you're doing it right or worrying about optimizing. And you're focused on the things that actually you care about anyway. Mm-hmm. I really like this because I think it's it's a lot of not just learning a language, but it's really personal development. And it's really just like, you know, maybe there's more of an overlap there than I actually realized that there was. Um, And I say this primarily for myself too, because like I'm, you know, in my generation, I feel like there was that rigid way to do things. And it's like, I'm learning from people like you that, you know, to, to subvert all of that and to, and to find a better way to do, to do things and find better ways to serve yourself in these types of endeavors that you, you know, that you go on, that you undertake. So um, this is a lot of food for thought so far in this conversation. I love it. I love it. And, and even, you know, in having these conversations, you know, a lot of people do talk about grammar and they do talk about, you know, but, and some people do talk about, you know, finding what you love and, and doing what you love. But I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like you have it very, like the way that you're describing it is just so much more like sensible. <laughs> I just want people to play like yeah. that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think learning anything, whether it's a language or learning to paint I taught in the English school system for years, doing all the things, you know, the textbook learning and the, you know, exam ready learning where everything was leading up to a test or a project or or something. And I've been through that school system and I, I get that there are very few things you can do when you've got one teacher and 32 students and you've got these exams where the school you know the accountability is is pretty much entirely exam based but I think everybody knows that it's not the best way Mm. Um, it's just that in a school system there's nothing else really to do yet yeah whereas on a one-to-one level and if you are lucky enough to be self-teaching and to have all of this freedom I think for some people they naturally revert back to what they felt at school and they become their own teacher but with all of the demons that come with that and the pressure <laughs> and the accountability but a negative kind of accountability um, and a fear that there's a right way and a wrong way and if you do the wrong way then you've basically wasted your time and all of that mm-hmm. sort of stuff and the reality is self-teaching is the most wonderful thing in the world and you can do literally whatever you like right and people are feeling shackled to well if I find the right syllabus if I find the right tools if I am the best teacher but actually obviously you're your best teacher because you know you better than 
anybody else. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. So when all of these methods that you have, I'm going to say perfected, um, whether you agree with me or not, <laughs> I feel like you've perfected. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is there anything... Is there a method of language learning that you haven't tried that you think you might be interested in trying? More than anything else, I would love to be dropped in a country where I know nothing of the language at all and just see what happens and see how long it takes. Um, <laughs> that would be my, I would love to try that. Um, yeah, and just, you know, without attending formal classes or, you know, without maybe a textbook or whatever. I don't know. Textbook, no textbook. I'd just love to see what happens if I ended up in a country where I didn't speak any similar language and it was just me out there trying to make sense of the world and see what happens. I bet it'd be quite exciting. I think if I took that approach to learning a language, I would want to be dropped in Brazil. It's a gorgeous uh, language. <laughs> I've wanted to go to Brazil for most of my life. So, and I haven't really learned enough Portuguese um, to really even fake it, but I think it would be a fun challenge for someone like me who has a background in like romance languages and related <laughs> languages. I think, I think that could be really interesting because I love the culture in Brazil of, I have, not been yet but I love what I've seen so far so I think it would be fun to kind of interact with the culture and not knowing the language and you know learning that way is there any like part of Brazilian culture that particularly attracts you or that something that you you want to experience someday the extroversion I find it so refreshing um so again I've never been to Brazil I've not actually met a Brazilian person face to face in my entire life um but I do have so many online friends that I've spoken to you know for hours and hours and hours face to face on a screen um since 2020 so you know I I feel like I know them in many ways better than a lot of my friends here and <laughs> I think I love the confidence to speak up um the assertiveness is so refreshing so many people are so willing to have a go when it comes to speaking English um and that obviously makes me very very happy <laughs> um yeah people tell me what they want and then I can just do it and then we're happy. And I like that. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about your book series, um, How to Be Me. And I want you to tell us all about, um, you know, how, how you developed this series and, and what, you know, what shaped it, what gave you, you know, this idea to do it and, and its development and most importantly, tell us where we can find it for purchase. Okay, so I started the How to Be Me series because I was doing all of these language exchanges. And one of the first, the biggest things people said they were struggling with was they didn't know what to say. And the reason a lot of the, their exchanges failed was that they didn't know what to say. Um, and I think part of that problem is that in school learning, you do the topics, you know, my home, my family, my workplace, whatever. But 
it's so long before you get to talk about the stuff that matters to you personally and to express yourself personally with what you're actually thinking about on a day-to-day basis and I felt like going through these exchanges where we would choose our topics and I'd write questions and then we'd do all these things it meant that people right from the beginning were expressing themselves and not in just textbook languages uh, textbook language that had been like cut and pasted into some kind of response um and I I started to think actually I I think a lot of people would feel more comfortable in their language if they were able to express things much quicker Mm. um so the how to be me series was born as a series of journals to help people right from the very beginning to express themselves, to tell the stories that matter. So um, the first one that came out in uh, May was Life Stories. And it's just prompts about all the stories that matter to them in their own lives, things that they've done. They're quite general, so as to give people the space. And then after that, we have more, there are uh, eight coming out this year um, and they're going to be available in French, Spanish, Brazilian, Portuguese and German at the moment. Uh, they'll come out in all four languages at the same time and they will hopefully allow people to do creative things in their language. They don't require you to immediately go in and write pages and pages and pages of prose, but it's just, it gives you a prompt and then it gives you space. And with that space, it might be that people do some little comic drawings with, you know, one caption, or it might be that they just get some word lists together so that they can start to think about you know, if if they spend all of their time reading manga and they're, you know, that's what they care about, then they can get those word lists together and it <laughs> gives them the space to think about this stuff um, outside of outside of anyone's evaluations. If they want to seek feedback from a teacher or a tutor or a native speaker, they can, but there is no obligation to do mm, that. It mm-hmm. is just space. Um And yeah, the hope is that it will just let people connect with themselves and their new sort of you in French or or you in Spanish a bit quicker. So exciting. Where can we, where can we buy them? So they're available on Amazon in uh, most of the major markets. Um, And if I can eventually figure out the tech side of it, they'll be available on my own website as well. But I mean, I wouldn't hold your breath to be honest. <laughs> well, I will add um, I will add links to to purchase in the show notes for this episode as well as links to your social media um so that people can click on them and find you right away. Thank you. And the other thing I wanted to add was that when I said people think they have nothing to say or they're boring or their town is boring or their life is boring, it comes up so often in language exchanges where people Mm. are sure they have nothing to say. And it only takes a few questions and people realize actually they do have so much to say, (laughs) Uh, even in broken language with just, you know, a few words here and there and a 
you know, hastily drawn picture scrawled on the back of a notepad. <laughs> they have so much going on that they want to share. Yeah. And I think with all writing, it, it takes practice to, you know, really f- be able to see beyond what you're used to every day and pull out the extraordinary or the the extraordinary, not yeah. necessarily extraordinary. Um, and I'm glad that your books are giving people a chance to do that. The hope is that they can do this on them on their own and sort of as a, as a journal, and then if they want to, they can feed it back into their language exchanges. Some of it is, you know, quite personal. There's nothing there that sort of draws on life or anything like that. It's all quite neutral. Um, but there's a lot of stories there that are just sort of life anecdotes or so other others coming out soon will be about exploring where you live and doing some creative writing and things like that. So it's just it's things you can do on your own. And it's also things you can rope your language exchange friends into and, and see just what comes out. That's amazing. That's so exciting. Do you have any plans for adding any other languages in the future at the moment um i'm very open to it Uh, i started with those because they are the most learned languages in the uk um well and brazilian portuguese because that's what i was doing at the time and i was using all of these for my language exchange uh Mm -hmm. partners um so it would just be a case of seeing where it goes from here i think okay how do you feel that and maybe this book played a part in it as well, but how do you feel that the pandemic itself um, shaped your experience of learning Brazilian Portuguese and kind of developing these methods? Is there anything specific about the pandemic that, um, and maybe having to make that shift in life um, that made this experience for you more, more powerful than language experiences that you've had in the past? I think definitely, uh, for several reasons. The first one was that one of the very first topics I covered before, I I literally did greetings, numbers, days of the week, pandemic, COVID. At that time it was coronavirus because it was March of 2020 and we didn't have the word COVID (laughs) in our repertoire. But yeah, the pandemic was something that meant that as soon as I reached reached out on language exchanges, it was one of the very first topics anybody covered, anybody talked about, you know. Um, So one of the first questions, full questions I learned to ask in Portuguese was, what is the situation like in your country right now? Um, Which it was it was bizarre because wherever people were in the world the conversation was exactly the same um and that I think highlighted very quickly how uniting this experience was going to be um and then there were you know certain practical things like far more people were at home on language exchanges when normally they would have been in their workplace or in you know their university or school setting yeah um which i think with a, when you are working in countries with a big time difference it was invaluable um so yeah that was one thing that I think was quite surprising and the ups and downs of COVID were a thread through every language exchange I've done. 
Um, and and that was that was strange because I didn't necessarily know anything about Brazilian culture in the beginning, but I could well imagine from COVID what it was kind of like for them at that time and the uncertainty and everything was was universal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think as well, it's forced more people online to learn their languages because they weren't able to attend their classes face to face. And they did start to use the internet and gain their networks of other language learners. And I think that's been really positive. Definitely. I have noticed that some of the people that I've had language exchange with uh, last year, like I don't see them anymore. They don't reach out to me anymore. They don't talk to me anymore. Um, And I imagine it's just because they can go outside now and catch up and see their friends and maybe they're working new jobs. So, you know, it really was a time when, like you said, we were all unified and staying at home and trying to adapt to a new normal, I think. Um, But now that life is being forced back to normal, I think that, you know, it's, it's been harder to just kind of find people in the same in the same way I think definitely and I think a lot of people were doing a lot of soul searching in the pandemic Mm. whether that was you know for personal development or they were just realizing because they'd had this opportunity to just stop and reset that their priorities maybe weren't what they thought they were or that there was a better way Um, so I think even through language exchanges my partners and I, we did explore a lot of those things. And I think there's a lot of benefits that come from exploring things in your native language and also in another one, because again, it gives you that headspace. Yeah. And sometimes you don't quite agree with native speakers. (laughs) Well, Emily, thank you for this. Thank you for this conversation. Always a pleasure talking with you. Um, And I really enjoyed learning more about, about, the, you know, obviously the books you've written and your, um, your methods for learning, learning another language. I like to end each episode with the same question. And that Mm -hmm. is, do you have any jokes, popular sayings, tongue twisters, cool slang words, idioms, words of wisdom, or words of advice in Brazilian Portuguese to share? So every day, I tuned in to a live by a man who does meditation in Brazilian Portuguese on Instagram called Tadashi Kadamoto. And every day his lives follow exactly the same format. And a lot of the sort of phrasing is exactly the same. And every day he starts his lives with vamos ser feliz or let's be happy. And I don't know how to explain how hearing those words every day just sort of filled me with a little bit more joy in some of the darker times of the pandemic. He's like a kind of granddad figure. You see every morning thousands of people are joining this live. So you can just imagine being part of thousands of people. Wow. And he so he does it at 6 a.m., Brazilian time so that's either 9 or 10 a.m here depending on our time zone at the time and then he does one in the evening which I'm always asleep for um but it just it makes me so happy and so it's not exactly a word of wisdom or a sort of 
pithy saying, but vamos ser feliz has become almost my mantra for Brazilian Portuguese, and I love it. Vamos ser feliz? Yeah. I like Let's that. Let's be happy. Let's be happy. Hmm. I think that is, a, I think those are words of wisdom or advice. <laughs> Um, thank you so much again, Emily, for this conversation. And I want to ask you one last thing. Um, don't think about this too hard, but in a situation where you're speaking in Brazilian Portuguese with someone and, you know, you've been talking for some time and it's time for you to go your separate ways. What is the best way in Brazilian Portuguese to say goodbye? I think most of the time it seems quite informal. So there's not a big, um, sort of process to saying goodbye um, with my language exchanges we would just say muito obrigada até amanhã or até you know a semana que vem or next week uh, see you next week see you tomorrow and then the word we would mostly use to to say goodbye would just be you know ciao <laughs> or <laughs> it's quite funny I wasn't expecting that when I started Portuguese but yeah ciao yeah, it's, it's universal. It's the it's, indeed. It's the best one. You know, you just reminded me that I learned atemais. Atemais is also common. Yeah, one of my eight Portuguese words that I have in my brain. <laughs> atemais. But thank you again, Emily, for this conversation, and I will be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>